This is the Todd and Friends Podcast. I don't like to waffle on predictions. That doesn't mean I always hope I'm right. Oh, what's he going to do? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. So, thank that. you. Yeah, I'm with you. Todd, I knew we'd agree on something here. From the KWLM Sports Studio. With thanks to Heritage Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Here's Todd Bergat. Hey, thanks for joining us for the podcast once again today. Matt uh, Williams uh, joining us uh, today. And, you know, you came in and you mentioned, boy, uh, talking about Rockin' Robins on the radio this morning when I was on with Bill and JP. It's the the last one of the series. They have four of them each summer, and that's really been a fun thing for the community since they started that up, what is it, maybe five years ago, having these uh, bands in, and especially uh, the fabulous Armadillos. Everybody loves them, and that'll be the show uh, coming up tonight. Looking forward to it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, sing-along music. That, that's what I like about uh, the Armadillos, especially yeah. the they're just going to play songs that everybody everybody knows, and uh, Chris Hockey has joined them as their lead singer. Uh, he's you know he's pretty well known as a uh, as a lead singer and a radio personality and yep. everything else. He's a good guy, yep. and yep. and uh, yeah, I think it'll be a f- fun show. Uh, I heard somewhere that the most they've ever had out there is nine thousand, uh, and they're hoping maybe tonight with the it, beautiful weather. The it's kind of a guess. You tonight know, could be that the, night. You know, so yeah. They're kind of guessing on the total attendance, That's uh, true too. I yeah. would think, on that, because they don't aren't sitting there counting it. But uh, they do a lot of times have a drone, and then they can estimate fairly closely. I mean, we, we won't know exactly, but they probably get within a couple hundred, I suppose. My family goes to eat. Yeah, so, right. So, you know, the, the food trucks that come out and the, you know, beer tent and some of those things that uh, it can be, it, yeah. it, you know, it's just a fun thing to do. And, yeah. And uh, especially when the weather's nice. And finally, hopefully, they're going to get some w- nice weather tonight. So what's your favorite thing to eat out there then when you head out there? Well, there's that uh, there's a wood-fired pizza place that's yeah, pretty good. That's the, good. The line for that can be, you know, an hour yeah. long. But yeah. you're you're right next to the stage. So, you know, you're yeah, standing you're in the line. Yeah, still watching the show. It's not that big a deal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, and then the old, old traditional fair food, you know, a little uh, mini donuts or... Pork chop on a stick yeah, for me. Some of those things, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know... It's kind of a nice lead-in to the fair then next week, right? That's right. Absolutely. So, yeah. And so you, you know, t- you take the kids out there. Is there any dancing going on? Uh, from other people, not from me. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> me nobody, either. Nobody wants to see that. No, they really don't. But once in a while, <laughs> once in a while, Tanya drags me up there, uh, and I try and... I look around to dance behind other people because I don't, I don't want people to I'll make sure it. I get the phone out if I see that happen tonight. Yeah, so that'll make sure I don't, then, <laughs> that's for sure. Uh, but, yeah, but we're hosting it tonight, and yeah. we'll throw out some T-shirts and stuff ahead of time, too, before the, the main band. And stop by our booth. You can play our game we'll have there. and uh, So that'll be a lot of fun. And uh, I know my wife looked at me last night and said, I suppose we can't win any of the tickets that they're giving out or anything, right, because you're – technically working kind of for them. I don't you know probably shouldn't ask it. me that on the air, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I told her don't sign up. Yeah. I I, I honestly don't know, yeah, to, don't be, know. to tell you the truth. That, that would be a question for somebody a little <laughs> higher up the food chain than yeah. me. Yeah. If, if it were up to me, I'd say, well, what does it matter? It's, <laughs> you can still win. Anyway, uh, looking forward to that show. That should be a lot of fun tonight. Uh, the big thing today, and, and again, Matt and I are talking in the morning as we're recording this, and it's airing on KWLM almost eight hours hours after we record this at just past four. So some of the things we say may be outdated by now um, because we're both big Twins fans. And uh, the trade deadline is today. It's at f- coming up at 5 o'clock this afternoon. And uh, the the Twins are in an interesting position. I talked about it this morning with Bill and JP uh, quite a bit. If they were in any other division in baseball, they'd be sellers at the trade deadline. But because they're in the Central, they're still in first place, despite really not being a very good team. 
you know, and I, th- I think the other interesting part of it is that they're. I think they should sell because they have a, they have a little. They have too many left-handed outfielders, and they have these two free agent pitchers, Gray and Ma- Maeda, right? So they should sell. And actually, I think they could sell and still compete in the division. But the signal that selling sends to the fans and to the clubhouse, I think they're just in a really, really tough spot. I don't yeah. know what they're going to do. I, I, I'm not sure either. I think what in the end, when you're in a position like this, if you're the twins, you, you probably just stand pat. Uh, or, like you said, possibly trade at one of those starting pitchers because they do have a couple of guys that they would be comfortable with bringing into the rotation. So if they traded either Gray or Maeda, and let's face it, Gray hasn't really been that good uh, over the last two months. So that may have depressed his trade value to the point where they don't think it's worth it anyway. Uh, And for Maeda, he's pitched better um, and in the final year of his deal too. So I think in the end, they'll wind up maybe adding a bullpen reliever and not much else. Now, I could have already been proven wrong by that by the time this airs. But I just it just feels like you know, they traded off prospects last year, and it didn't work out. Uh, so I, I don't know that they're going to get on board with doing that again this year for, unless they know they can get somebody that will immediately help the team, and I don't think that guy's out there. And, you know, I think Maeda is a tricky one. You've paid him for a year and a half to rehab, and now yeah. he's finally pitching, so it's hard to just, you know, trade him off at this point. Gray, you know, I would guess they're going to offer him. He, he's eligible. I was just reading this morning the qualifying offer this summer yeah. or this winter, so they can, you know, what's like a one year, twenty million dollar deal. And if he doesn't doesn't take that, they get a first round draft pick. Yeah. And so, like, to me, I think they'll hold on to him, let him pitch out the year, and then you know, even if he walks, they at least get a first round draft pick out of him, which might be better than some of the prospect return that they could get. So yeah, certainly possible. Um, you know, so I, you know, we're speculating, like you said, but. Uh, Larnick is the name I've heard a lot. That if they can get anything for him, they'd probably take it. Uh, you know, again, he's he's probably on the bottom of that group of left-handed corner outfielders that they have. Yeah, so, uh, especially since he's in the minor leagues right yeah. now too. So, yeah. yeah, what will he bring? That's the problem. If you trade Larnick, it isn't much value. You're basically if you if they trade Larnick, they're basically doing him a favor, yeah. trading him to a team where he can play at the major league level. Because, yeah, the Twins are loaded with left-handed hitting corner outfielders. They're also loaded with shortstops uh, throughout the organization. Uh, and they're missing other pieces. So, uh, the, the, so, Falvian, uh, or so Falvine took over in 2017. Their first draft pick was Royce Lewis, number one overall. I've been very vocal in saying that they, I think, badly mismanaged his career for him and uh, have put him in the position that he is now. Not the oblique strain necessarily, but having not established himself as the Twins' everyday shortstop. That's where they put him. I think he would have been able to do that if they hadn't gone out and signed Carlos Correa last year because they didn't know what they had in Royce Lewis, and that's their job to know. They took him as the first overall pick back in 17, and then they never give him a chance to play his natural position as he comes up. Which, uh, you know, So I thought that was mishandled. Um, and, and so far, they don't have a single playoff victory, not one. And they took over in 17. So if they don't do something this year and walk away from this season, potentially in second place, I mean, they only have a game lead on Cleveland. Uh, I, I'm in favor of, let's see, who, someone else can do the job. These guys didn't. Well, and, and you know, we talk about they have a glut of, glut of corner outfielders, glut of shortstops, like, you, I read these articles about you know trade, the trade deadline and having all these extra guys, and they make it sound like it's a good thing. Yeah. And I I look at it and say, 
Well, that, that means this, it's been poorly managed. Yes. You have, you know, all these left-handed outfielders. And you, what did you do last summer? You signed, or last winter, you signed Joey Gallo. Yeah. A left-handed corner outfielder, yeah. right? Like, you, you've mismanaged this team in such a way that, you know, you don't have a center fielder. Now, they, they couldn't have predicted Buxton, right? But They could have. They knew in the offseason right. that, that his knees weren't going to be up to it. Right. That's why they traded Louis Arise, because they knew that Buxton was going to DH every day, and they know Arise is really a DH. Right. So I think yeah. they knew. I you, think they could have planned for you that. You don't have a center fielder. You yeah. don't have a catcher anywhere in the prospect list. Now, those are hard to find, but you know yeah. you don't have one. You don't have. You haven't grown any of your own starting pitchers, yeah. really. A slugging first baseman. You don't have a first base. You know, it's like they had one. They traded him for Tyler Malley. Yeah, it's it just somewhere along the way, these guys have to be held accountable that they have built this team in a very, very disorganized, poor manner, and that's their entire job is to build the team yeah. that way. And you can already see that Brooks Lee is going to get blocked at shortstop position. How could he not? You just signed Correa for six years, and. You know, and now you have Julian, who maybe you're surprised, but he showed up at second base and is hitting hitting really well. So at one point, I heard that you know they, they were maybe going to move Brooks Lee to second base. Well, now he's kind of blocked there as well. And so now you look at third base. Well, then where's Royce Lewis going to play? I mean, you you can see it's happening again yeah. with Brooks Lee, exactly like it happened with Royce Lewis. So what they'll do is they'll move somebody into the outfield and play him completely out of position and take. These guys that come up as shortstops, Brooks Lee, Royce Lewis, Carlos Correa, that's that's who they are. Being the shortstop of a team is you're the captain on the field. There's a lot that goes into that, and those guys revel in being shortstops. Now you're going to take Royce Lewis and or, or Brooks Lee and say, well, you're an outfielder now. I, I just don't see that that's a model that is going to get the best out of those players. And when Correa came up, Houston didn't do that to him. They, they gave him the shortstop job because they saw the potential in him, and they said, we'll let him learn at the major league level a little bit. He'll, he has those great qualities, that leadership, and he did. And then the Twins don't do the same for, for either Royce Lewis or Brooks Lee. Now, Royce Lewis in particular, because he was here already, um, but, uh, and, and they misjudged what they had and then brought Correa in. Uh, Brooks Lee, a, a little lesser extent, that's just drafting the best athlete. But uh, I, I, I agree, I'm not in favor of just stacking up all of your best prospects and players at one position. It is the most important position sh- uh, on the field uh, that isn't pitcher or catcher, is the shortstop. But uh, they, you know, yeah, like you said, here they are, all stacked up at one spot and somebody's going to have to move. And then Jose Miranda, are they just giving up on him? Is he somebody they're not going to give any more chances to? Uh, you know, so so they're they're loaded and and yeah, they they have an ill-fitting roster. Yeah, Jorge Blanco playing third base. Yeah. Like, I don't know that anybody watched him play second base and he's got the arm to play third base. Yeah, I mean they're just jamming people into weird positions, and that's not what major league. I mean, that's what a little league team does. Yeah, it's not what a major league team does. Yeah, yeah. You just don't do you just don't do it, and you know, and what's the long-term plan for center field? They is, don't have one. Is there one? There isn't one. What's the long-term plan for first base? Is, is yeah. it Kirilov? Because yeah. he can't stay healthy either. So, nope. I, you know, I don't know. It's it's um, They're a team that is they're, uh, the epitome of a mediocre 500 team. Yeah. That's what they are. Yeah, they are. There's no doubt. They're, they're a 500 ball club. Yeah. So is that worth trading prospects? Although they, they're, they're, their prospect list is not that impressive anymore anyway, I don't know that it's worth it to deplete it even further uh, to bring somebody in. I would like to see him, you know, trade for Justin Verlander and and bring him in, or or 
Paul Goldschmidt. But but I don't know how much that'll help. I don't think it helps him enough to become a winner. Verlander wouldn't come here anyway. No. He has a no trade clause. Um, but they but they maybe could add you know a Paul Goldschmidt to help the lineup. They're terrible against uh, right, left-handed pitching, so maybe Goldschmidt will help that. And and that's strange. They're bad against left-handed pitching, despite their two by far highest paid guys being right-handed hitters with power in Correa and Buxton. But neither of them hit left-handed pitching very well. Neither of them hit anything well. Right. Thought. They haven't. <laughs> they, don't, they, don't, they just don't. They don't no. hit anything well. No. Um, and not consistently. They're mediocre. They fit right in with the Twins because they're very mediocre. Yeah. I, I think at this point it certainly looks like the division winner will be under five hundred in the American League Central. You know, everybody's looking at Cleveland traded away two of their starting pitchers. Yeah. But they're trading from a position of depth. Yeah. And I guess this first baseman they got from the Rays is an absolute stud. I mean, another former Stinger, Kyle Manzardo. Okay. Former yeah. Wilmer Stinger. Yeah I, yeah, I was reading about him last night, and they were talking about yeah. he just he just makes great contact with the ball all the time. He's not yep. a swing and miss guy. Yep. And that's what Cleveland has decided. That's their that's their um, you know, that's their organizational MO. We're gonna get guys who make contact and hit the ball, you know, hard. Yep. Not swinging, you know, swing for the fences all the time. Which yep. is what the twins MO has become. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, I think we're seeing which one works better. <laughs> right. I think we believe that they're swinging for the fences all the time when they swing and miss. It could just be they don't have quite as a developed a skill of putting the bat on the ball. It always looks like they're swinging too hard when they don't hit the ball. That's true. I think they're just taking their swing. They just don't have as skilled a guys at barreling it up. I think that's kind of what it is. Uh, so anyway, we'll find out trade deadline today at 5, so less than an hour uh, from now as this is airing on uh, KWLM. Uh, the Vikings at training camp, first preseason game just over a week away. Uh, they'll be in Seattle. Daniel Hunter in camp, that's good news. Uh, if they didn't sign him, I, I didn't know where they were going to get a pass rush from. Yeah, the, and the whole defensive line. I mean, the, I, I read somewhere that Kiris Tonga is probably going to be the starting defensive tackle. He's been yeah. a guy who didn't even dress for half the games the last couple of years. So the defense is going to be a lot of names people aren't going to recognize. Yeah. Um, you know, the linebacking core is totally different. Harrison Smith to Neil Hunter. That's who it. else you got? That's who it. else can you just name off the top of your head? Not many. Uh, no, but I think it's okay. I think it could be okay. I mean, I, I think we needed to get younger in defense and quicker yep. and, and uh, you know, become more aggressive. And, and, you know, everybody's pointing to Flora as the defensive coordinator as the way to do that. But I think maybe getting a little younger and a little, uh, some guys maybe are a little hungrier. Uh, defense is all about, you know, you got to be hungry and you got to be able to fly around the, the field and um, you know, we'll, we'll see if the, if they have the right guys to do that or not, we'll see. But, uh, you know, I think it'll, when, when, uh, people watch the first Vikings game, they'll be like, I don't know any of these guys right. on defense. I I'm in favor of a less complicated defense, yes. more attacking because guys can, uh, you can free them up if they're not thinking about assignments, if it's not a read and react defense, which is what Donatel's was. Now there's a lot of teams playing that shell that Donatel played because they don't want to get beat deep. They want to make teams have to run 12 plays to score a touchdown. Um, but uh, the way they ran it last year was so passive. Now, they might still run some shell defense in the back end uh, this year, but they'll be more aggressive up front, I think, more blitz packages. Yeah, and I read somewhere that, you know, maybe some three safety looks. They like their safety, you know, the safety depth with uh, Smith and Metellus and uh, Seen yeah. coming back from his, uh, I think that's how you pronounce it. Yeah, uh, that's coming, right. Coming back from his uh, injury. And so, uh, you know, with that, you can give some different looks and try to, you know, it's all about disguising, I guess, in the NFL these days. And I'm not, a, I'm not a huge, like, I'm not a great NFL mind, but 
uh, you know, these quarterbacks and, and wide receivers are so good that if, if they know what they're going to see, if they know what they're going to get when they snap the ball, they're going to pick you apart. And yep. I think that's what we saw last year as much yep. as anything. Like the shell can be fine, but you got to disguise and change, you know. Yep. Once in a while you got to be able to throw a crazy blitz at them or you got to be able to disguise and go man or whatever it is. Uh, I think that's what we're going to see as much as anything is that there's going to be a little bit more disguising, a little bit more, uh, you know, where they're not sure, where the quarterback maybe isn't exactly sure what they're in. Yeah. On the offensive side, do you get Netflix? I don't. Uh, so they had that series called Quarterback. I don't get it either, no. but I wanted to watch that, so I bought Netflix for a month so I could watch that. And then I'm watching the PGA Tour one as well. Mm-hmm. The Quarterback, very well made, outstanding production quality, really enjoying it. The PGA Tour one, it's like people made it who'd never played the game before in their lives. Really? Yeah, they put up some goofy graphics once in a while and say uh, PGA, and then I don't know, it's... It isn't done as well. Uh, it's a Peyton Manning production, this quarterback, and everything is top-notch, the production quality, all that. The PGA Tour one, I, I, I don't like that as much. Unfortunately, <laughs> I was hoping I would. Um, but it, it's interesting. It showed Cousins. Uh, I think he uh, won over a lot of fans. He's just a good family guy. Uh, and I would worry about some quarterbacks um, playing in the last year of a contract, except Cousins, because he's used to it. He's played in the last year of a contract, on, on a few occasions, and he's always done well doing that. So I think that the Vikings' offense could be ready to take it to the next level as well. With Jefferson, another year of experience, um, you don't have to hand the ball to Dalvin Cook uh, anymore because he just wasn't that effective last year. He was one of only five backs with at least 50 carries who had a minus expected yards per attempt, one of five. Uh, so he, he wasn't a great player last year, so they needed to move on from him. And I think Cousins is... You know who he is, and uh, if they can play better defense, he gives them a chance. This is the time of the year where everybody convinces themselves in Cousins because they yeah. all look at his numbers and they all look at his stats and they yeah. all, you know, you see how he where he ranks statistic wise, yeah. and he always looks fantastic. And so yeah. everybody kind of this time of year, everybody convinces themselves Cousins is it. Yeah, and then the game starts and he's a 500 quarterback because yeah. that's what he is. But I'm not a Cousins guy, but yeah, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm agnostic on Cousins. I know, I know. and yep. Greg Snow and I have gotten into it about Cousins before yeah, as well because he's not a fan. He's not a fan either, yeah, and I try yeah. to just pick. His, I try to just you know push him a little bit. Yeah, I, I like yeah. I like to see Greg get get riled up, but <laughs> uh, but you know I think people convince themselves about Cousins, but Cousins gives you a chance to win. He does. So that's it, all I'm saying too. You know, he gives you a chance. He gives you a chance to win. So if the defense is improved, if Jefferson takes the next step, if the running back, you know, being a little younger, a little hungrier, if the, if they give you a little bit more, uh, you know, a lot of things broke right for the Vikings last year. But, yeah. But nobody looked at that team and said that's a 13 win team. That's that's a number one seed. Nobody thought that. No. No. So I mean, could you win 10 or 11 games this year and be a better team potentially? Yeah. Sure. It's hard to win as many uh, last-second games as they did last year. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, see you out at Rockin' Robins tonight. Yeah, sounds good. All right, Matt Williams joining us here on the Todd and Friends Podcast. It's brought to you by Heritage Bank. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Watch for future episodes of the Todd and Friends Podcast at kwlm.com or on the air here at KWLM, 1340 AM and 96.3 FM.